Hello, this is Dr. John Jerica, co-founder of NewScript, where we're dedicated to helping clinicians pursue fulfilling non-traditional jobs. To that end, we're holding a free summit from April 11 through the 13th, featuring 12 experts covering careers in pharma, hospital management, consulting, writing, and more. To get the complete list of topics and speakers, go to nonclinicalphysicians.com forward slash summit 2023. It's time again for the Mortgage Minute with Doug Krause, brought to you by Financial Residency. Doug has been a mortgage lender for over 20 years and specializes in physician loans. He is with BMO Bank and wrote a book called The Hippocratic House to educate physicians on home loans. You can request your free copy at DougKrause.com. You can call or text Doug anytime at 816-728-3631 or email him at doug.kraus at bmo.com. Now, get ready for today's episode of the Mortgage Minute. Welcome back to the Mortgage Minute. I'm your host, Doug Kraus. Hey, today I want to talk about uh, real estate contracts. So I'm going to throw a little bit of advice out there that as you're talking to hire a realtor right up front, Best advice I can give you on the real estate contract is ask for a blank copy. It's super boring. It's going to be a lot of lawyer language in it. However, you're signing sometimes a seven-figure contract here. Take 20, 30 minutes and review it. It gets, once you find the house you want, you fill in the blanks with, here's my offer, here's my close date, and then you're awaiting your answer. Do you really know what you signed? So if you ask for a copy of the blank contract, take 20 minutes to actually read through it because there's some questions that come up that, and especially I would say if you're talking about a build job, the builder's contracts are 100% of the time written by builder's attorneys that are looking out for the builders. A little bit less so if you're just buying a resale house, a lot of those contracts are the market you're in like they have a uh, Realtors Association and that contract was come up by that group and it's pretty fair to both sides, not so much on a builder's contract. Builder's contract is very much skewed towards builder's lawyer wrote it for the builder's benefit and specifically language that gets buried in there would be you're going to close whenever they get it done and they don't care when they get it done, meaning they tell you it's going to be March 15th and it ends up July that's your problem on the rate lock. They don't care. That's They're not going to get penalized for that. Flip the script and they tell you the house is done and then you're not ready to close. They probably have language in there where they're penalizing you by the day for every day you go past. You know, if they tell you they're ready to go and you're not closing a week later, then you're probably paying penalties to them. So that's on the builder side. But even on the other, I mean, there's language in certain markets. I would say the bulk of the country that seller pays for an owner's title policy, but not everywhere. So that contract spells that out. And that matters, especially if you're trying to figure out what your closing costs are, or even more so if you're asking for a seller credit, let's say you're going to get the seller to pay some of your closing costs. Well, if they're already obligated based on the language of the contract to pay your owner's title policy, then whenever you get a seller credit, that should be over and above the cost of something like, you know, something the contract already indicated they're paying anyway. So I challenge all of you, as soon as you meet your realtor and you get serious about even remotely looking at houses, 
ask him for a blank copy of the contract. Tell him you just want to read through it in language and see, because there's also contingencies that are going to be questions that are going to be asked of you. Of like, do you want to waive or do you want to, how many days do you want for home inspection contingencies and loan contingencies and appraisal contingencies? You need to ask your lender how long they need for a loan contingency and appraisal contingency. And if this were a video, you'd see me cringing right down saying this, but I hate it when I see realtors asking for waiver of the appraisal contingency and the loan contingency. You know, there's circumstances where I understand it's a competitive market and you need to do that to win the property, but just understand what you're signing if you agree to that. And if you've got a realtor that's been doing this for 10, 20 years, hopefully they fully explain that to you. But there's also realtors out there that have been doing this for two months or two years that don't really understand what they're asking their buyers to do. And if you waive an appraisal contingency, you're saying it doesn't matter what this appraises for. I can purchase it anyway. The loan is only going to be the maximum of based on the purchase price or the appraised value, whichever is less. So if you were doing hundred percent financing on a million dollar house and it appraised at 900,000, lender's still going to let you close on that house with a hundred percent loan, but that hundred percent loan is now $900,000 waiving the appraisal contingency told everyone that I'll bring another hundred thousand to closing. And by the way, I have it because you're implying that what it appraises for doesn't matter. It's not going to impede your ability to close. So there is partial waivers of contingencies, and I'm much more comfortable with doing that where you're very clear to me that it's been explained to you that, hey, I will cover the first 40,000 shortfall and everything over that and back to a contingency that if it doesn't appraise, now I have the choice of you lower the price to something more palatable that we can make a new agreement or I'll go ahead and pay the difference down after I've had some time to think about it or you walk away if you don't want to do it. So know that is part of your contingencies in the contract that a lot of people don't understand that maybe if you took a blank copy of the contract to read, you might have a better understanding of those contingencies. The same goes for loan contingencies. If you waive loan contingencies, you're telling a seller, my loan's fully approved. I can and will close on this property versus you're basically saying you're a cash buyer. That if my lender comes back and says, I can't close, then you're saying, I didn't need a loan. I can close anyway. Or you're saying, I 100% have final loan approval and I have no contingencies and Another contingency would be the sale of your house. If you've got another house that you're planning on selling before or after closing, that would be a contingency based on your closing, but only after your house sells versus not being a contingency, meaning you can qualify for both mortgage payments and you've been underwritten that you don't have to sell. So it really is something that, you know, you're talking about Again, some of these are million, $2 million transactions. That, and I surprisingly have a fair number of first-time homebuyers that are spending a million five. That's their very first time buying a house. Get a copy of that contract, read it. 
it's not going to take you that long. So earnest money kind of goes right along with that. So that will be my next topic next week. I'm going to talk more about earnest money and seller credits. Again, dubcross.com. Feel free to check out there or at hippocratichouse.com. A free copy of my book. You can reach me at 862-375-6267, which is 862 Dr. Loans. Thanks again for listening.